1: Good afternoon and welcome to Vancouver Consumer. I'm Sterling Fox. In just a few moments, Sherry McMillan returns to our show with lots more information on estate planning and news of another seminar coming soon to our city. In our next hour, John Carlson returns with a fresh look at Vancouver real estate and more on the 1% realty story. But first, here are some of the top consumer stories we're following this week. And we've had another interest rate increase this week. As expected, the Bank of Canada raised the rate by a quarter point to one point seven percent, the fifth increase since last summer, and just as importantly signaled there will be several more in the new year as well. Most of our major banks followed with a rate increase of their own the next day, raising their prime lending rates to an average of 3.95 percent, although mortgage rates are now above 4 percent across the board. The bottom line, money is now more expensive to borrow and is likely to become more so next year. As Angela Calla advised us last weekend, very rate mortgage holders should be checking their affordability positions and seriously considering locking down a five-year fixed option. This is also unwelcome news for first-time buyers and people renewing their mortgages as the stress test is now set higher and the amount you qualify for may be reduced. Pretty safe to say the era of cheap money is on the way out. It's still really cheap, but the writing is on the wall. Tesla has raised the price of a new Model 3 with a smaller battery only days. After after it went on sale, the mid range Model 3 now starts at 46 grand US. The change, a $1,000 increase, came five days after Elon Musk announced the vehicle's launch. The electric car maker said the price increase will not impact customers who have already ordered a vehicle. The mid range Model 3 retains the same battery pack used in the long range sedan, but contains fewer cells. It has a range of 260 miles on one charge compared to 310 miles for the long-range Model 3. The mid-range option also comes with rear-wheel drive. The long-range and performance Model 3s all have all-wheel drive. Ford is recalling nearly 1.5 million Focus compact cars here in North America because a fuel system problem can cause the engines to stall without warning. The recall covers cars from the 2012 through 2018 model years with the 2-liter, 4-cylinder engines. Ford says a valve in the fuel system system can stick in the open position causing too much vacuum and an engine control computer may not detect the problem this can cause the gas tank to deform as well as other problems about 1.3 million of the recalled vehicles are in the states the rest are mostly here in canada dealers will reprogram the computer with new software that will detect a stuck valve which the company says will take care of the problem in most cases they'll also inspect the valve a carbon canister and gas tank and replace them if necessary now Ford says owners should keep the gas tank at least half full until repairs are made. The company says it's not aware of any crashes or injuries caused by the problem. The recall is expected to begin December 10th well. Halloween is coming up in a few days, and the parties are on at the clubs this weekend, and here's a story to go with the buzz. A new study of 2,000 people found that most people have a stronger connection to the paranormal than one might think. 60% of those studied felt they'd seen a ghost in their lifetime. In addition, more than 40% of those surveyed think their pet has seen one too. The research, conducted by one poll on behalf of Groupon, asked people to reveal their encounters with ghosts, and also found that one in three people studied had either lived in or stayed in a house they felt was haunted. So how do most people react when they've seen a ghost? Of those who have been visited by a see-through spirit, the top responses were to scream and run away, and men were even twice as likely as women to scream and run away when they saw a ghost. Other initial responses to seeing a ghost included crying, hiding, and fainting. The study also identified America's top fears as snakes, spiders, sharks, drowning, heights, public speaking, failure, bees, cramped spaces, and rejection those are some of the stories we're following this week a few more later on and coming right up after the break sherry mcmillan from mcmillan estate planning on vancouver consumer and welcome back to vancouver consumer this saturday afternoon i'm sterling fox joined on the line by sherry mcmillan founder and ceo of mcmillan estate planning sherry good afternoon welcome back to vancouver consumer
2: thank you sterling
1: Now, you had a seminar here. We're going to talk about another seminar coming up in mid-November, but you were here just a couple of nights ago at the Vancouver Marriott downtown uh, for the first of two presentations on estate planning. How did it go, Sherry?
2: Well, I have to say, it's lovely to be home. I was actually born in Vancouver, and it's my hometown. Ah. So I... I always enjoy being here, obviously, and so it, it felt very great for me in that regard. Um, the crowd was lovely, Sterling, as always in Vancouver, and had a great deal of wonderful questions. They have a lot of interest in this area, obviously.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, uh, when you, you know, this is certainly not your first rodeo. This is not the first estate planning seminar you've conducted, but it's the first in Vancouver in quite some time. And Sherry, when you stand up in front of groups of interested individuals who have gone out of their way to be in to be with you in a room, what do they want to know about most? What are the things that, because you have your presentation, and then afterwards you do the Q&A thing, and when you get to the questions part, what do people want to know about the most?
2: Well, interestingly enough, one of the areas that they want to know about the most is taxation.
1: Of course. And
2: regardless of which jurisdiction I'm presenting in, whether it be um, in the United States or in Canada or in the U.K., I always find that that's the prominent question that comes forward because we work hard for our affluence and we don't want to unnecessarily give it away. And ultimately, if you're not proactive in estate planning, you actually can give it away by accident. And we don't want that, obviously, as families. So we are always queried about what opportunities are available to families in legislation currently to minimize and mitigate tax. And it's not a secret that Canada in this past while has experienced an increase of taxation. They sure have. And- you know, we've been hurt by that out West specifically. And so many of us don't want to give up high value in taxation and specifically family business right now is being really hurt by that because if they have any residual wealth in that company um what happens is they are being taxed at the highest rate of tax going forward. And so we want to show them techniques to minimize that tax. And there are, that's the great part. Uh, we've been doing them since 1987, this kind of trust work, and we've actually been able to mitigate the high rate of tax on reserve funds inside corporations. So that's one of the big questions. Another big tax question, Sterling, that comes up often is, what do I do about my U.S. assets? Okay. So I have a cottage, like mm-hmm. snowbird, and I'm smart because I go somewhere where it's warm in the winter. <laughs> um, but what are the consequences in my estate for doing so? And so a couple of things that I'd like to share around that is one of the unfortunate misunderstandings or myths around owning U.S. assets is that you as a Canadian don't have U.S. estate tax, but you do. And so if you have U.S. assets, there's a potential for you to have U.S. estate tax. In addition, it's not when uh, one spouse or both spouses pass. Alternatively, because we're Canadians, we don't get a rollover in the United States. So, for example, I have a family that have a property in California worth a couple of million. And uh, if the husband were to die first, for example, we owe estate tax on that value before the wife can even take the asset on herself. Mm. Whereas in Canada, you would roll it over. So we have to give that a lot of contemplation of how you hold it so that you don't have that problem occurring. And that's important if you have U.S. assets. Now, there's one more um, specific area I always like families to know because they can become accidentally American by spending too much time in America. Very
1: true. Go ahead, please.
2: Yeah, so um, I think it's a marketing ploy on the part of the IRS to welcome us for 183 days a year into America. And most of us want to use that time. But the challenge is if you have a high net worth, The challenge is the actual calculation only comes out to 121 days if you want to walk the black and white line of not even being at risk with the IRS saying you have a U.S. estate. And so how they calculate the formula, unfortunately, is they take 100% of last year plus one-third of the year before that of the days you've spent there plus a sixth of the year prior. They add it all together. And if it's over 183 days, you can be considered an American citizen for the purposes of your state. Oh, my. And if you're considered an American citizen for the purpose of your state, they don't count only your U.S. property. They count everything in your worldwide asset base, even including your insurance.
1: And and back home in Canada as well.
2: Yeah, and they add your insurance into it. So If you can imagine what a disaster this would be for a family. So our rule of thumb in the office is... Let's keep you in that umbrella of 121 days. And ultimately, we don't have to be concerned then. So I'm a. Terrible travel agent for the United States, but I'm a good estate planner for our Canadian families here. Well, it is interesting
1: so, that the, the number of Canadians traveling to the States in the last couple of years is decidedly down. And I think there's some politics involved in all of that, a dislike of the boss at the current moment. But another thing about Canadian and American tax law, and they are remarkably different, here in Canada, the uh, the high income level for the highest uh, income, personal income tax level, is $200,000 a year. In the States, it's a half a million, Right.
2: Absolutely. And they are, you know, obviously welcome Canadians in, in a sense, because they're allowing us if we buy a house worth half a million or more, we can stay longer. Mm -hmm. That's about a visa, though. That's not about a state tax. They're not correlated issues. And so the challenge is it's confusing for people out there in the community that want to winter away. And of course, we want to believe we can go somewhere warm. Um, But... Ultimately, we have to be so very careful that we don't embody our estate as a U.S. estate because once we've done that, we're going to lose potentially 40% of it.
1: Isn't that interesting? And- because most of us are concerned about not losing our health benefits back home. And if you stay more than half of a calendar, any calendar year abroad, then you can forfeit your health benefits back home. And, and of course, since they are rather important to all of us, that's what we seem to care most about. But the other matter of uh, hundred and twenty-one days instead of 180, I'll bet you probably 90% of the people listening to us right now, Sherry, haven't a clue about that detail, and it's kind of critical, isn't it?
2: It's immensely critical, especially because we've become more affluent as a country. And it's a common thing we find that we feel like we have success if we have a family property, a second home. Sure. And so this is a reflection of our, you know, success as a country is that we're currently often buying property in Hawaii or down in Florida or, you know, Phoenix is another popular one, California. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a, a challenge there if you have assets outside of your jurisdiction. So, For families that have assets in B.C., if they have children in other jurisdictions or assets in other jurisdictions, they've got to be very conscientious of how the rules in those jurisdictions will impact their affairs in these jurisdictions. Interesting. Interesting. It's a, it's a complex matter, obviously, in modern society because we're not just staying local anymore. Uh, we're spreading out all over the world and we're becoming global as families. And so we have to contemplate legislation in each jurisdiction to make sure our plan is comprehensive and we're not foregoing value that we think we're going to keep. We don't know the rules in a particular jurisdiction, and we lose it.
1: Absolutely. Now, Sherry, we touched on this a few weeks ago when you made your first visit to Vancouver Consumer, but especially in the context of what you've just discussed with this cross-border Canada-U.S. business, perhaps I should ask the question again. Who needs estate planning, Sherry McMillan?
2: Well, I think all of us need estate planning, but what we find is most of us use financial planning when we're young and building. And once we've built that estate and we feel like we're getting ready for that retirement shift or we're starting to have affluence being built, I think that's the exact crucial moment to start to consider estate planning. Because estate planning is about preserving the wealth effectively year after year after year. And if you do that and you can minimize tax year after year after year, obviously your estate explodes. It's exponential. So the earlier the better. We find most families come to us once they hit that threshold of a million plus. Um, Obviously we have a lot of family businesses that are our clients and we have a lot of families that have pools of real estate, um executives. Those are the types of families that are, you know, creating that affluence more so in the communities. So they do seek us out. Uh, Across Canada we have a lot of farm families that are affluent that, you know, pursue estate planning as well. But I think in modern times, all of us should pursue estate planning because we're living a very long time, Stuart. Yeah. In fact, right now, there's over 5,800 people in Canada that are 100 years old right now. I know. On the news
1: hour on Global, we're part of the Global family now here at CKNW. On the news hour every night on Global, Wayne's up there uh, talking about um, somebody, happy birthday, or I guess, uh, to so and so in Abbotsford who's 104, and somebody else is 103, and somebody on the island is 101. It's everyday, Sherry, on the news hour, somebody's being congratulated for being a centenarian.
2: I know they're saying there'll be 50,000 centenarians in Canada by the year 2020. Wow. It's it's amazing. So um why this is so important though is we can't only be planning our estate for the next generation. We have to be planning our estate for us. If we live to 104, that estate has to carry us through three phases of retirement, early retirement, mid-retirement, and late retirement. And because we have this brand-new phenomenon in in Canada that um, more of us will be over 65 than under, None of us understand what it will, you know, put pressure on the medical systems, on the cost of elder care. Sure. We don't know yet. This is a brand new area for all of us. So we want to make sure that our wealth that we've built up for that care is preserved and protected and not ever accessible to anyone else. So going back, Sterling, to our U.S. families as an example, okay. one of the things I always share with them is if you're going to be a traveler, and I hope you are, and enjoy retirement and potentially live part of the time in the United States... The challenge with the United States is they're very listigious. They sue everybody for everything. Yeah, yes. <laughs> so if you're going to have, you know, more decades in retirement than you did working, what happens if your roofer falls off your house down there and takes a run at your estate? Mm. Is it protected for retirement? And if you've just used a will, I'll tell you it is not. But if we've done proper estate planning and your life plan and we've used tools like trusts, we've put a fence around you. And so all kinds of Things can occur, all kinds of issues can occur in your life, but we're not jeopardizing your care for those decades ahead. And so it's really fundamentally important at minimum that we protect. The amount of wealth we need for our lifestyle during retirement. And that's our rule of thumb at our office is how much do we need to carry you through those decades ahead and how much have you protected to make sure you're safe?
1: Right. Now, I want to talk about wills and why it doesn't constitute an estate or even financial plan in a little bit, but I want to go back to your description of retirement, Sherry. Early, mid, and late retirement. And clearly, through those phases of retirement, work is done unless, of course, as is the case with many people, you kind of keep your finger and you dabble in a little bit because you like to keep the brain engaged, and you 're not quite done yet, but by and large, work is over, so it's time to enjoy. But for those three phases of retirement planning, there are three different you use three different scripts. How does that work because clearly, uh, as we age, our needs are change.
2: they certainly do, and the exciting part is because we are living longer during retirement than per- perhaps our career path and our family rearing. What happens is this is a brand new opportunity to rethink your life. And, you know, I can say this it's such a joy to see my families now start to dream. Okay, what is it I get to do with all this window of time? What kind of purposes do I want to accomplish? What things do I want to try? How much time do I want with my family? How much private time do I want? Do I want to do charitable work? So it's a brainstorming opportunity, sure. and it's a joyous opportunity. Um, you know, we're very lucky in society to live now and have this privilege of a thing called retirement. It's not been uh, a long-term history for mankind. It's a privilege, and so using it wisely is important. And you can only use something wisely if you plan. Right. And so we encourage our families to look at it as three phases of retirement. Your first phase is where your health is the very best. And so you should be putting into that particular area the things that you want to do that are more physical because that's when you have that opportunity um, most likely. And so we see a lot of, for example, goals like traveling or doing um, adventure travel, those kinds of things, cycling and all that kind of stuff. The energy stuff. Yeah, because they have it.
1: Hang on for half a second, will you please? Because I need to break for the news. And just before we go to the news, and we'll pick up the other aspects of retirement, uh, the uh, mid and uh, uh, late phases of retirement after the news. But I wanted to take a couple of seconds and remind our listeners that there's another one of those McMillan estate planning seminars coming to town again, this time on Thursday, November 15th at six o'clock, again at the Vancouver Marriott downtown. The uh, seminar will be conducted by Sherry McMillan, and all of the topics that we're talking about this afternoon on Vancouver Consumer will be front and center at the Vancouver Marriott downtown. Thursday, November 15th at 6 p.m. All the details at macmillanestate.com. We're back after the news. And welcome back to Vancouver Consumer this Saturday afternoon. Sterling Fox with you, joined by Sherry McMillan, the founder and CEO of McMillan Estate Planning, who was in town just a couple of days ago at the Vancouver Marriott uh, doing a presentation on estate planning. And Sherry is back with us today. We're going to do it again on November 15th. There'll be another estate planning seminar again at the Vancouver Marriott downtown at six o'clock in the evening on November 15th. Sherry McMillan, my guest today, will be conducting the seminar. And Sherry, uh, we were talking about retirement, and I also asked you, based on the questions that you would receive just a couple of nights ago in your first of the two Vancouver presentations, taxation is, is kind of front and center on a lot of people's minds, especially here in BC, where the government, uh, well, they like to punish the successful. So let's just leave it there. Let's talk about retirement, because before the news, you were talking about the three phases of retirement, early, mid, and late. You talked about the early part of retirement, which clearly is the most fun. It's when you've got your money set aside and you got a whole bunch of energy to have fun with your money. What about mid-retirement phase? Talk about that part.
2: Now, mid is a really interesting area because actually what I find is our clients start to look at what is their purpose in life and they start to share that in the community. So they start to actually find something that has concrete value in their lives and Support their beliefs, and you know they start to pursue giving back, and it's really beautiful. One of our families I I have actually has built eight orphanages in Africa, and named each orphanage after a grandchild here in Canada.
1: Interesting.
2: Yeah, and so they've taken their family member there. Um, they cut the, the little grandchild cut the ribbon you know, to teach the children that it's important to give back. So I see that phase as a more family oriented phase um, and more purpose-driven.
1: And, and some, some people will donate money from the estate. Other people will donate themselves, as in volunteering. And many people do both.
2: That's right. And I will say this as a tax planner. It's a fantastic tax plan because you eliminate CRA's portion in your estate and replace it with something you believe in which is never a bad thing Mm -hmm. because then you're choosing where those tax dollars go. Now, the third phase is actually very interesting as well because we have such great health and that's changed. So if we are uh, lucky enough to live past 65, we're part of the statistics that means we live long Mm -hmm. and often long with good health. And so what I'm finding is... Ultimately, what happens in that last phase is we often see families using their family second property as a location for winters and so forth. So if they are snowbird, they may go south. Um, and then the family come to them to visit because of health and so forth. So we're seeing actually a different type of late retirement than ever before. And even my own experience, it's quite shocking, but I have a ton of people in that third phase of retirement who are still on boards of directors and still running their company in a smaller way. Sure, yeah. So, you know, we're not retiring in the traditional sense of the word anymore. And I think that's fantastic. We're doing what we, what we love and what interests us and we're keeping ourselves active with purpose and our minds crazily active and it's wonderful. So I think you have to give contemplation to the fact that that's the upcoming transition into your life and it's a fun and exciting period.
1: Well, it's interesting, you know, when we think about estate planning, we think about, okay, well, first of all, we got to get a game plan in to get us to our estate planning phase. we got to plan for the first 60, 65 years, and then that generally ends with, and you retire. And then it's the post-retirement. This is what Macmillan estate planning is all about. It's the post-retirement years that I think more and more of us, Sherry, because as you point out, more of us, are we are as a, as a group living longer. So more of us, are just based on, on the real math of it all, are having to take a look at post-retirement planning. But not many of us are doing a lot of detailed work yet, are
2: we? I agree with you. It's yet, because we just haven't had awareness that we should, um, because we've all been striving as a new country, b- building wealth. We've been striving more towards the financial planning side of things, right. you know, building it, building it. We have it now. So we need to look at it from a different point of view. Okay, now that you have wealth, there's a number of areas you have to give contemplation to. How do you keep it? Mm-hmm. And you know, there's some crazy obstacles out there of keeping it. One is divorce. If you have family members that go through a divorce and have inherited your estate, do they lose half of it? That's the problem. So what we see in modern society is high divorce rates. Yes. Of course, we all know they're over 50%. Um, we also have credit risk nowadays. So we have liability risk if we're snowbirding, for example, in the United States, and we have some kind of uh, disaster down there and someone sues us for our estate, we're in a high-risk position. Our professionals are in a high-risk position, lawyers, accountants, engineers, doctors. They ultimately have what we call look-through. So if I'm a professional and I build my wealth and later the bridge falls down, my entire estate can be wiped out. Well, that's a problem. But there are techniques in trust and estate planning and in your life planning that we can use so that it is not a problem and it is not a risk. And so we find a lot of professionals based on liability risk uh, do protect themselves. And then those retirees that love to be active on boards of directors and enjoy that kind of activity, right. of course, they have risk too. So all of us have intrinsic risk. And another risk that is really important in retirement shift, I think, Sterling, is uh, market risk. Because as we age, we have to rely upon that wealth we've created. And we can't have severe volatility in our affluence because it can impact our income stream. So the great part about trust planning in Canada is we can negotiate with all the banking institutions a principal guarantee of our wealth even if we're in the stock market. And people don't know they have this opportunity if they're affluent. So they just accept risk that they don't otherwise have to. And so we help families, you know, preserve their wealth and make sure it's always going to be there for them no matter what happens, whether we have liability risk or market risk or whatever is going on, Right. then we are sure that that wealth will stay in the family on a consistent basis for lifestyle.
1: And this is all part of trust planning and the construction of family trust to uh, preserve wealth and avoid tax all perfect legally at the same time.
2: That's right. And so, for example, one of the areas that we are diligently working on right now is for small businesses because the new tax legislation is impacting them if they've created affluence inside the company that they use to build their business. That's right. That reserve is at risk now. But we don't have to have it at risk. What we're allowed to do inside corporations here in Canada is we're allowed to relabel a large portion of that wealth that's inside a company as a tax-exempt wealth creation, like a giant tax-free savings account, Okay. so the preservation of the business can continue. But if you don't know that, you'll just forego and pay highest rate of tax. But we don't have to. If we wrap around with the CRA, we let them know that we're tying this up for wealth preservation because we need it to continue the business. They allow us to do that up to 25% of a family's net worth. So if you can have 25% of your net worth grow tax free, it's pretty good.
1: Well, it certainly and, is.
2: Yeah. So, you know, these are the wonderful things and opportunities we have in Canada that we can utilize to keep that wealth and protect that wealth when we're not looking at it from a financial planning point of view, but we're looking at it from an estate point of view to protect it and keep it.
1: Well, and Sherry, the other part about this, uh, as plain as the nose on your face, is that despite the fact that it is perfectly legal from a Canadian Revenue Agency point of view, and you are uh, playing parallel with all of their regulations and, and observances, they are not, for one single second, going to advertise any of these things to the population of Canada. If you don't go out of your way to find out about these rules, they're perfectly legal. But Canada Revenue is going to is not going to take out ads and magazines to tell you about it. You need to get some homework done and find out about these things pretty much on your own or with the assistance, obviously, of a capable professional like yourself.
2: That's right. They're not uh, designed to be estate planners. They're designed to collect tax.
1: Exactly. And, <laughs> and, and so, if they can collect the most tax, they'll have a good day, won't they?
2: That, that's right. And they don't... Um you know, they don't allow you to be retroactive and say, I didn't realize and now I would like to. Um, You have to be proactive. They won't let you be reactive. And so it's really important. So what we endeavor to do is get these approvals for a family up to 25% of their estate to grow tax-exempt. And it can make a dramatic mathematical difference if we have decades ahead into retirement. And that allows them to also, because of this extra affluence they didn't forecast, they can do all kinds of philanthropic work in their lifetime they can share it with family it just opens up all kinds of new possibilities now obviously this is much more exciting than writing a will
1: so let 's talk about that because a lot of people have a will and and um, are, are pretty comfortable with the way that their their estate will be directed after they pass on but the problem I think for some of them sherry is that they are not they 've got a good will they 've had a nice job done thank you very much and that They sleep well at night because not only do they have a will, they think, they also have an estate plan. And that is not necessarily the case at all, is it?
2: No, and we've seen this very frequently, actually, recently with a lot of stars. So, you know, we've lost Prince, we've lost Michael Jackson, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And what I observe as an estate planner is I am mortified that they're using a will. Because once an estate has hit a million plus net worth, I think they've outgrown a will. And what they should be using is an estate plan and a mechanism called a trust to protect themselves. And the reason for that, Sterling, is if Michael Jackson's estate was designed via a trust, not a will, nobody could contest it. And it's private. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, all the wishes that he would have had would have been met without all of this scramble and media and fighting and it obviously would have been more appropriate because his privacy would have been maintained as well. And, he, and was a privacy, family harmony.
1: he was a privacy freak, too. That's the really bizarre part about all of this. And he had a few bucks in the bank. So why on earth didn't he organize an estate plan with someone like you?
2: Well, I think what is happening is our industry is considered a new industry. And the reason for that is lawyers traditionally have been trained to do wills. That's what they're trained to do. And True. it's not okay. wrong. It's just we've never had wealth, so we use a will because we're going to spend most of our estate and then we'll just transfer it through a will. Well, those families that have created estates don't want their basically their whole privacy exposed, nor their wishes, because they often do some philanthropic things. They may do some things that are quite private. Mm-hmm. And so we want to use a mechanism that allows us to do that without everybody in the whole world knowing your business. And so the way we do that is through trust planning and estate planning. So we're creating you a life plan, and your life is going to be protected, and then the next generation is going to be protected naturally because we lay out all of those wishes, and we execute them now, not when you're gone, right now. And so it's done, and nobody can challenge it, and nobody can see it. And that's really important if you're affluent and you want a family business to continue or you want to make sure the cottage is handled inside the family unit, not with one of your children's exes. So I think, sadly, most of us have grown up with the myth and belief that a will covers us and is an estate plan. That's true. But it's not. I I think most people listening
1: to us right now believe that, too. And not all, for sure. But I think a lot of people, I got a will. I'm I'm done.
2: I'm good, yeah, Yeah. and it's not true, and it misses also not just our privacy um, and the wishes being met, it also misses taxation, sadly, so you give up a lot by utilizing a will.
1: Okay, so uh, not a lot of time here, just a couple of minutes. And and, and referencing the trusts and these constructing these perfectly legal uh, um, devices that allow estates to carry forward with a minimal amount of tax attached to them, is there a sort of minimum amount of money you should have before contemplating this approach, Sherry?
2: Well, generally our rule of thumb in the office is if your estate has grown to a million-plus, then you are a candidate to give contemplation to proper trust planning versus will planning and the reason for that is your estate will continue to grow and ultimately if it's going to continue to grow we need to protect it okay so you it's also need tax planning
1: well sure and and that's all part of the same package nothing wrong with having a will uh, as long as it's only part of the master plan for the estate uh, a will is certainly an important ingredient but a will alone isn't going to take care of biz is it
2: No, and it's not going to protect your family for the main issues that most of us plan for, which is we want to minimize tax, but more importantly, we want to keep harmony in the family. And if we want to keep harmony, we need our wishes not to have the privilege of being challenged. Interesting. And so estate planning allows for that.
1: Well, you had an interesting uh, evening just a couple of nights ago, and you're going to repeat this with another seminar coming up on Thursday, November 15th, back at the same place you were on Thursday night, which is the Marriott Hotel, Vancouver, downtown. Uh, And it takes place at 6 o'clock on November 15th. There'll be the whiny, cheesy bit beforehand, and then Sherry McMillan will get down to business and uh, conduct a seminar on estate planning. Again, the date is Thursday, November 15th at the Vancouver Downtown Marriott Hotel, and you can register, pre-register, please, simply by going online to the website, which is Estate.com, One word, Estate.com, or give them a call. Uh, the phone number's on the website. It's uh, 1-833-266-6464. Sherry McMillan, thanks for doing this again. Uh, the best of luck on the 15th. Uh, it's been a pleasure having you back on the show.
2: Likewise, Sterling. Thank you.
1: And we're back after this. And once again, our thanks to Sherry McMillan for another very informative visit. Lots to understand when planning our futures. Coming up in our next hour is John Carlson with a Vancouver Market real estate update and lots more on the 1% Realty story. Time now for Dooley Noted. And this time, our producer Ben Dooley has a look at online liquor
0: sales, which aren't like cannabis. Thanks, Sterling. When the first BC Cannabis store opened its doors on October 17th, Weed was already selling out on its website. But if you want to enjoy a beer from BC liquor stores with your bud, you can't take it to the checkout unless you you, you visit one of the province's nearly 200 retail liquor locations. The BC liquor distribution branch told Global News it was, it was exploring online liquor sales when the NDP asked us to be the wholesaler and public retailer for cannabis. One of the biggest challenges facing the provincial government is the potential cost of shipping.
2: There are a number of uh, questions, policy questions, that would have to be answered about the distribution of liquor, including the weight, of, the sheer weight of the liquor and the cost
0: of delivery. E.B. called the distribution of cannabis an active experiment, but mentioned that the industry does not see home delivery as a top priority. Ontario was the first province to sell booze online with home and local store deliveries. Quebec, Nova Scotia, and Manitoba have since followed suit, and BC could be next once the legal cannabis rollout is complete. I'm Ben Dooley, and that's Dooley noted.
1: Thanks, Ben. Time for a couple more consumer quickies before the news. European Union lawmakers moved on Wednesday to ban widely used throwaway plastic like straws, bags, and cotton swabs, putting the burden on manufacturers to recycle more in an effort to clean up ocean pollution. Under the proposal backed by the European Parliament, some single-use plastic products with readily available alternatives will be banned by 2021. EU states would be obliged to recycle 90% of plastic bottles by 2025, while producers to help uh, cover costs of waste management, EU lawmakers added very lightweight plastic bags, polystyrene fast food containers, and products made of oxo-degradable plastics, which do not fully break down to the list proposed by the EU executive earlier in the year. And under the plan, fishing nets, which are now a key pollutant in the EU's Mediterranean Sea and the Atlantic Ocean, will have to be produced differently as well. And now, It's about time this happened. Hello out there, we're on the
0: air. It's hockey night tonight. Oh, yeah. Tension grows, the whistle blows, and the puck goes down the ice. The goalie jumps, and the players bump, and the fans all go insane. Someone roars, Bobby scores at
1: the good old hockey game. Ah, yes, indeed. In just a few minutes at Scotiabank Arena in Toronto before the Leafs-Jets rematch, the hockey song will be immortalized into the Songwriters Hall of Fame. Stompin' Tom Connors' son, Tom, will receive a plaque, and country star Tim Hicks will belt out the tune, and you just know everyone in the rink will be singing along. Multiple Juno Award winner Stompin' Tom Connors recorded the hockey song in 1973, and it's become a Canadian classic over the years. So good to see this one recognized oh yes and also wanted to remind you if you're looking for a little unusual early halloween fun don't forget the rocky horror picture show special screening tonight at 11 45 at the rio costumes are encouraged there will even be prizes and doors open at 11 those are some more of the week's top consumer stories we'll have more for you in our next hour as well john carlson is on deck and will join us right after the news to three on vancouver consumer here on cknw